Welcome to the Glojo Podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Kalal, and every week I'll be sharing thought-provoking, soul-soothing, and inspiring conversations from personal stories to insider tips and tricks. At the Glojo, you can always find what you need when you need it most. This is permission. Permission to be you, permission to be messy, permission to feel all the feels. So what do you say? Let's do this together. I'll see you in the Glojo. Hello, Niraj. Welcome to the Glojo podcast. Yeah. It's so great to have you here today. And for everyone listening, we are going to have such an exciting conversation about a tool that we all have access to. We do it automatically and it's breathing. And we're going to talk about breath, breath work, and all of the benefits that stem from learning how to tap into the power. I say it's a tool and most people wouldn't call breathing a tool, but it is because the potential and the possibilities and the benefits and the health and the longevity and vitality and all of the things that it can unlock. It's truly amazing. And that is why I'm so excited to have you on my show. So thank you so much. Right. I know that you are known as the renegade pharmacist and you were a pharmacist turned holistic health and breathwork expert. You're also an amazing musician and DJ. (laughs) So why don't you tell us about your journey? How did you go from that world to living in Thailand? I want to say footloose and fancy free, creating incredible music and and breathwork for the world. Wow. Okay. So breath is obviously a very important tool because it keeps us alive. (laughs) Go a few minutes without breathing and it's game over. But there is a lot of magic to it because with the breath, we have a direct connection to the autonomic nervous system. And that's what allows us to awaken your own inner pharmacy. And my journey has been from being a a, a real, you know, pharmacist working in a community pharmacy, very busy managing lots of prescriptions every day. From that to actually becoming like I became my own patient. I got very sick with it. Yeah. I literally had a nervous breakdown and it was hell working in uh, that environment. I'm a very creative, artistic person. I was doing a, like a robotic job. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the soul of, of what it is to be in a healing profession has gone out the door because it's so clinical and structured and robotized, you know, uh, the entire profession of pharmacy. And I just didn't fit into it. And I, I, I just got so disillusioned seeing people going away with shopping bags full of drugs every single month and not getting better. And I was like, what? this doesn't make sense. This just does not make sense. Like I spent so long at university studying all this stuff, but it doesn't seem to really work, actually. In fact, more people, when they go on a prescription, they tend to get worse with all the side effects because you take one medication after a while, that the side effects kick in and you have to take more uh, to counter those side effects. And you end up being on a literally a whole list, a laundry list of different prescriptions. And people would literally mm-hmm. walk into the pharmacy rattling because they've taken so many pills that day. You know, <laughs> it was crazy. So in the end, I just had a nervous breakdown. And actually, I went to a Tony Robbins event. My friend took me kicking and screaming to this event. Like, I really didn't want to Unleashed. Go. Yeah. UPW, unleash the power within. I I give him a lot of credit because it did change (laughs) my life. And it does say what it is on the tin. Literally, the the giant within came out. It was the first time I heard anyone talk about breath 
you know, things like eating food properly, the right diet, exercise, and lifestyle, basically lifestyle, um, to stay healthy and, you know, the true causes of disease. And it blew my mind. I was like, hold on a minute. Why are we not getting taught this stuff at university as pharmacists? And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to put Tony Robbins to the test. I've got a pharmacy full of patients and everyone's sick. So if this stuff works, I should get some really good results. So that's exactly what I did. And basically, like, I came up with a shopping list system where I'd write a healthy shopping list for people based on their kind of condition. Really what I was doing was just swapping their diet, which was usually very processed factory-based foods, for just normal whole food that I like to eat. That was it. That's pretty much what I did. You'd be shocked at how many people drank like, like liters of Coca-Cola every day and fizzy drinks, sugary drinks. And then I just did a switch from that to like lemon juice. Um, some people, they need that sparkle, so you, you can use soda water. But just doing that would make a big difference, especially people with diabetes and those sorts of issues. And I started getting great results. I got doctors calling me up going, what's going on? What are you doing? This is... And I actually, at first, I got really scared. I was like, I thought I was in trouble. But they were like, this is amazing. Keep going, keep going. You're really helping our patients. I was like, okay, cool. That actually eventually led me working in the head office, one of the biggest uh, supermarket chains in the UK. And wow. I came up with this healthy shopping service for them. It was going to be on their website. It could have helped millions of people. Literally, they had so much traffic. But six months into it, for some reason or another, they decided to shelve the idea. They're very cutthroat environments. Corporate head offices are really, really tough places. I don't know how anyone does it. Like respect to people who can handle working in that environment. I'm just not suited to it. And I was like the guy who everyone kind of feared a little bit because I'd come out from nowhere. Suddenly, I'm given this huge iMac to work on. Everyone else on their little PCs. So it was, I was like the teacher's pet. I wasn't like the most popular person for that reason. And it got really tough and more and more stress started to build up and anger and really frustration was the key emotion I was feeling because I was like, how does anyone get anything done in these environments? Everything just gets cock-blocked all the time, right? And then I just had this nervous breakdown and I got hit with this disease um, called ulcerative colitis. And uh, that's when I got a taste of my own medicine because I firstly had surrendered to the conventional healthcare system because I actually went to see the consultant and she basically said there's no evidence that diet has any effect, that stress has any effect. Um, basically, shut up, take the pills. That's all that we have evidence for that works. So I just surrendered to that. And she also said it's completely incurable. So I totally lost hope. And it just got worse and worse. Yeah. And I was getting all these side effects from the pills. And I'm in a, an environment where there's a lot of family, relatives, all doctors. And, and you know, they're, they're all singing from the same hidden sheet. So they also were very paranoid about me trying to do anything else. It's not their fault or anything. It's just the only information they have, you know, is this is their type of treatment. Totally. So what happened was, firstly, I had a, a crisis moment. And... They say God sounds a gift of desperation. And at that time, I basically went into automatic prayer mode because I was so desperate. And luckily, somebody came to a rescue, Samyam Kananda, who's this amazing yoga teacher in the UK. She runs a, a yoga school, traditional yoga. And she basically said to me, look, you've got a gift. If you can heal yourself from this using these techniques from yoga, 
holistic approach. You'd be an amazing role model to other people. And she said, look, I can't guarantee anything, but you can give it a go. So she taught me some of the basics of pranayama, which sent me on that rabbit hole because I found so much benefit from just simple breathing in a change my breathing patterns to extend my exhalation. It was an amazing feeling. And then I got into subjects of like reprogramming the mind, using affirmations. And, you know, actually I got into the whole world of like mind movies and things like that. You know, that's how we met. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of that stuff. And, yep, totally. and just reprogramming <laughs> the unconscious mind. There was a book called The Power of the Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy, which is an amazing book. He's a pharmacist and a Christian scientist, but also an Ayurvedic doctor. So he fused the two worlds together and he talks a lot about how you can oh, use mantra and affirmations to reprogram the unconscious mind. Actually, Tony Robbins cites a lot um, of stuff from here. He was very inspired from Joseph Murphy. But anyway, what happened was then I started to just uh, go back into my creativity of music. And music was always my big passion. Like I always wanted to be a DJ or a promoter of events, music events. And actually, that's what my first business was before I finished my degree. I was running big scale raves, basically. They used to call me Nidus Religious because I was very spiritually minded when I was running these events. My, my nickname was Nidge. And they basically, I, I would basically go on and on about how the, the music is a spiritual tool. It brings people together and it should be used to bring people together, not apart. I always wanted to make a, a mission-based business around music that could actually help people. That was my in my mind, you know, and I just had no idea how I was going to do it then it's weird, right? What you wish for can lead mm -hmm. you in a weird journey where it may be very up and down, but you eventually get what you, you ask for, right? It could go super to the dark side and back. But, you know, the universe will test you. How much do you really want to do this? And in the end, that's exactly what happened because I discovered that music with special rhythms you could use to also tune in, like keep a rhythm with the beat of the breath. So your breath in pranayama, there's different rhythms that you can do, like breathing in for two, out for four, or in for four, out for eight. And these patterns can have different effects on the nervous system. So when you extend your exhalation it, and, and you breathe in that pattern, say two seconds out for four, you start to switch on the parasympathetic. Because when you exhale, your parasympathetic switches on. When you inhale, your sympathetic switches on. And this rhythmic breathing can turn oh, up stress. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah. I didn't realize that inhale was sympathetic, yeah. exhale is parasympathetic. We can tap in to the autonomic nervous system, the part of the, the body yeah. that uh, we take for granted because it runs yeah. the immune system, digestion, heart rate, temperature, all of these things that we take for granted. However, this is the realms of the reptilian brain, okay? The reptilian brain deals with survival at all costs. That's all yeah. it cares about. And if you're under a lot of fear, if you're in an environment that you feel is hostile, the reptilian brain is constantly switched on, high alert, and you are in fight or flight mode. What that does is it makes you actually breathe faster than you need to, and you're preparing for battle. And that hyperventilation, that elevated breathing rate, leads to stress, right. chronic stress, and other issues. And it stops oxygen from going to where it needs to go, which is your body tissue cells. So you get poor body tissue oxygenation. So there was a doctor called Buteko. He created the Buteko method. He basically said 
that most diseases arise from low body tissue oxygenation. And he actually discovered the Buteyko method and all this. He, he created it from studying yoga and pranayama because he wanted to fix wow. his hypertension, high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Nothing was helping him. So he turned to pranayama and he, sh- he realized that with breath control and reducing your breathing rate right down, where you slow your breathing rate down, you reduce your oxygen intake, and you raise your carbon dioxide levels because every time you breathe in, you breathe in oxygen. You breathe out, you breathe out carbon dioxide. When you retain carbon dioxide in the body and elevate concentrated carbon dioxide, uh, you actually enable more efficient absorption of oxygen into the tissue cells. So oxygen is generally, it's when you inhale, it goes to your red blood cells. Okay, That's what makes them red. Mm-hmm. But your body has a very intelligent way to drop off oxygen where it needs to go. It's called the Bohr effect. So imagine every single cell in your body is breathing, right? It's breathing in oxygen, breathing out carbon dioxide. So those cells that use up more uh, oxygen, say your muscle cells when you're working out, they breathe out more carbon dioxide and that elevated level of carbon dioxide in that area instructs the oxygen to come off your red blood cells and go into those areas to oxygenate those areas. Okay. So it's not the oxygen levels or the lack of oxygen that is tells your body where to drop off oxygen. It's the carbon dioxide levels. Now, God, when you breathe too fast, you breathe out too much mm-hmm. carbon dioxide. What that means is that you mess up the bore effect. And oxygen, instead of going to where it needs to go, it stays stuck to your red blood cells. And that's what leads mm-hmm. to all these inflammatory issues and stress-related problems. And oxygen itself is an oxidizer. It can cause oxidation and rusting effects in your body. This is a study by Harvard. And oxygen. I never thought of it. Exactly. Like oxygen itself Whoa. is also, it contracts. Whereas carbon dioxide is a relaxer and expands, makes you dilate. Right? So, but oxygen, obviously we need it. We can't live without mm-hmm. it. But also, it's very difficult to live with it. That's why you need antioxidants causes cellular damage. You need antioxidants to prevent that. So there was a scientist called Helmut Sees. He's the father of oxidative stress and redox chemistry. And he said that although it's very difficult to live without oxygen, it's very difficult to live with it because of this oxidative stress. Ah, So it's like your entire system is trying to mitigate as much oxidative stress as possible. But when you actually become very efficient using oxygen, where you need less oxygen, to create the same amount mm-hmm. of energy, and your body's very good at transporting that oxygen, you actually reduce oxidative stress, reduce inflammation, and you actually then have a better experience of life and you can live longer. And why that is, is because, again, let's go back to the ancients and the wisdom of pranayama, which was developed actually a lot by studying animals in nature. If you look at yoga as well, some of the yoga poses are basically named after animals, what animals do. But really quick yeah, question, yeah. just in case people listening, pranayama, how would you describe that to someone who's never okay. heard that so word? So pranayama is the ancient uh, system of breathing and energy control from India or who knows awesome. where it's from. It's from somewhere. It's so old. Nobody really can claim that they own this stuff. Yeah. Same with yoga. So basically prana, prana means energy. Yama means control. There's a system of controlling energy body and they knew somehow instinctively that, and they must have understood respiration, that when you breathe in, you breathe in oxygen 
and you breathe out carbon dioxide and that that oxygen in the mitochondria of the cells like burns with glucose to produce like a little fire inside your body like a combustion engine that produces ATP energy, right? So they knew that we can, through breath control, control the inner world and the energy within our body. And through that, we can create a union with the inner world and the outer world. And that's yoga. It's the alignment. So pranayama is a core part of yoga. In fact, it's one of the most important, I would say, limbs of, of yoga. But it's kind of been forgotten about. Yoga should be an exercise where you're actually controlling your breath. When you do that, because in the Yoga Sutras, it even says that you need to prepare your mind to go into each pose as though you have to hold this forever. Wow. Yeah, that's the intention you're going to go into. With and what that does, actually, it's got a scientific reason behind it. When you do a exercise where you're holding each pose to as long as you can, it's like shutting off the oxygen supply to that muscle. So let's say you contract your muscle like this. You're shutting off the oxygen supply to that muscle. and what that does then is it forces this muscle to use up the oxygen that it's got in there and it makes it produce more myoglobin. And also what happens is you, you lower the oxygen for a brief period. This is called intermittent hypoxia. And that creates an adaptive change in that muscle to right. grow stronger. So you get more blood vessels, you get um, more energy reserves, and you just get better, basically, ability to get oxygen to that muscle. That's the real science of yoga, to build strength and resilience to stress. But if you are doing normal vinyasa, where you're just moving from one post to the next like this, it's literally like riding a bike with stabilizers because the oxygen is like the stabilizers on the bike and you're constantly getting oxygen. It's aerobic exercise. But as soon as you shut off the oxygen and do it to exhaustion, what happens is you are taking the stabilizers off and you get really good at riding a bike with two wheels. This is also the reason why things like high-intensity interval training really works. Right. Just, You'll become more resilient. Yes. Like it's good for your system yes. to have that, you know, it's like we're so comfortable now. Yes. It, it's actually good for everything not to be perfect. It keeps our systems actually working and effective. Use it or lose yeah, it type like, thing. So obviously Wim Hof, he, he brought that to the world as well in an amazing way. Totally. You know, he showed everybody that. Over the years, people have been coming, like people like Swami Rama came from India in the 70s and he showed voluntary control over involuntary functions. There's a video on YouTube you can see doing this stuff. So over the years, people have done this, tried it. You know, Wim obviously just blew it mm -hmm. wide open. So much and respect for that. You've done music for him. Yeah. Haven't right. you? Yeah, you, yeah. you? That's a cool little side note. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his music's great. Yeah, we, we, we did it. <laughs> yeah, big inspiration, obviously. But I understand the science very well. And the Buteco method is really, really, like, powerful stuff as well. And he's all about the normal breathing, you know, about how to develop normal, healthy breathing habits which I think is actually super, if not the most important thing, because unless you're breathing properly, like throughout the day, it doesn't matter how many techniques you do. It's not going to make so much of an effect. You yeah. need to get your normal yeah. breathing. So it's very simple. It's, it's not rocket science. Breathe through your nose. Don't be a mouth breather because that the nose is a filter for the air. It warms the air and it allows proper absorption through the lungs. And you also produce, through nasal breathing, nitric oxide, which is an amazing antioxidant. And it's, it's also a dilator and it works with carbon dioxide to get oxygen into the cells. And it also 
is antiviral, antimicrobial, antibacterial. In fact, there's a company called Sanotize in Israel who are trialing nitric oxide sprays for COVID because oh, nitric oxide wipes out viruses. Same thing in Thailand. They have nitric oxide treatments in hospitals because it works okay. so well for viral and uh, heavy bacterial ah. infections. But we make our own nitric oxide every single day, just through nasal breathing. Right. And humming, you produce like 15 times the amount of nitric oxide. Yeah. So humming's even more important. I saw that on your Instagram yeah. where you said, hummy, you can do this. If you do this for like 30 seconds, I think you said, and I'm like, oh man, I've been doing it the hard way. So I was telling you before we started recording that I read Breathe mm. and it was such a fascinating Jane. book. So now I tape my mouth at night. I'm telling you, it's getting, it's getting wild in there. It's like earplugs, nightshade, mouth tape. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of it, it's because I know, I don't think throughout the day that I'm a heavy mouth breather. I'd like to think I'm not. But I do think I was breathing through my mouth a lot more than I realized. And I'm like, okay, there's a lot of benefits to breathing through the nose and even doing this podcast. I need to work on taking the deeper, yeah. deeper breaths and exhaling longer and breathing less. Yes. What are some of the benefits of breath work? Because when I was reading the lists and when I read this book, then I got another book too. I'm like, oh my God, this stuff is so fascinating. Yeah. It's really incredible. Yeah. So. The one very important one, it deals with your longevity. So, uh, so pranayama was developed by studying animals in nature, partly. And they observed that animals that live a very long time, like elephants and turtles, have very slow breathing patterns, breathing rates. Okay, like they can breathe like two to four breaths per minute. Whales breathe less than one breath per minute. Okay. Then the, you've got the opposite end, like animals that don't live a long time, like rats and mice, they have breathing rates up to 150 breaths per minute. And they live like one year. Wow. So there's some really, this is fascinating. really weird anomalies to this rule. The naked mole rat, they live predominantly underground in hypoxic conditions. And they can hold their breath for up to 18 minutes at a time. And they are rats, but guess what? Mm -hmm. It's different. They can live up to 30 years free of disease. Wow. Isn't that insane? That's amazing. It's insane. Yeah. So that's because they live in a carbon dioxide rich environment and they are, there's a correlation. They can hold their breath for a long time. They have less oxygen mm -hmm. distress issues. Now, whales, they can live over 200 years, right? The bowhead whale, their breath rate is less than one breath per minute and they can hold their breath for up to two hours at a time. So there's a strong correlation between breath rate and longevity. Strong correlation. I wonder about parrots, because they have a really long... <laughs> Do they live like 120 years? Who's that? Parrot. Okay, they have so a very long... Interesting you say that. So there is a technique, we, we teach this in our courses, called Kaki Mudra, which ah. is all about... It's basically crow's pose or crow's beak. What, what, what you're doing is... You're drinking air. You're mimicking crows. What they seem to do is they seem to drink air into the gut. They do this weird thing where they go and they drink air into the gut. What happens is when you jut your throat out like that and, mm -hmm. and you get the air into your epiglottis, it can go down into the bowels and then oxygenate your bowels and your gut. And wow. this technique from pranayama kills bad bacteria 
and it promotes the growth of good bacteria. And also the gut's actually quite poorly oxygenated. It's like, it's not that easy to oxygenate as other areas of the body. You actually get mm-hmm. oxygen into that area, which can help actually get uh, stay more oxygenated. It's a, it's a strange thing, but this is the legendary technique in pranayama for longevity. Because crows, like parrots, they probably, parrots probably do a similar thing. They live much longer than other birds, right? Crows and ravens. Ravens, I think, some of the oldest living birds, which is very similar to crows. There's a lot of wisdom in nature. There really is. This has been a trend among conversations in the Glojo. Nature is so intelligent and so smart. And I think that as humans living in modern day society, we go for the easy fixes, but then so, so often they're way more complicated Then what if we just go back to the basics mm. and actually tune in to the innate intelligence of our bodies. And so when you were talking about the parasympathetic nervous system and the autonomic system and all, all of those different things, what was going through my mind is, oh yeah, we like our bodies know what to do. Yes. And how can we assist them being able to get into the state where they can do what they know how to do versus living in that fight or flight and that stress. Yes. And so with breath work, I just want to share some of the other benefits because they're so widespread and especially what we're going through right now, it can help with anxiety, stress, depression, weight loss, diabetes, better sleep. I'm really on the better sleep train. And that's part of the reason why I started taping my mouth. And I love how you didn't even flinch when I told you that. Cause I tell some people and they're like, what, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing now? What are some of the other benefits that so, just learning how to breathe can really. So you know, there's a inspire. section of our course called breath pharma. Yeah, Cause there fun. really is. <laughs> when you understand all the techniques in pranayama, it's like a pharmacy of breathing techniques. So mm. we just showed you like how you can tap into the nervous system. So you have the sympathetic, parasympathetic. Yeah. Sympathetic deals with doing stuff, action, fight and flight, and the parasympathetic deals with rest and digest. So medication Mm -hmm. works on one of those sides. So sympathetic, actually, um, steroids, things like that are anti-inflammatory and shut down your immune system Mm -hmm. and things like that or control the immune system. The parasympathetic side deals with rest and digestion. So it improves digestion, helps you sleep, calms you down. It's like anti-anxiety, sleeping pills. They all work on that side. Mm -hmm. But with the breath, you can tap into each side, switch on each side. And therefore, you can create similar effects to like, I'm not going to say the same, but similar effects, but under your control of a lot of the medications. So, and this is what the yogis figured out. Pranayama was really like their prescriptions for different ailments, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, so like techniques like Bastrika, which produces a sympathetic response, it can have anti inflammatory effects, it can cleanse out the system, it gets you moving, it's like an exercise which is very fast. Mm-hmm. It's like Bastrika, it um, creates heat in the body. You know, regulates temperature. It, it's got a few different techniques and it works on sympathetic. But if you extend your exhalation, you breathe in a rhythm where you breathe out twice as the time as you breathe in, that switches off the stress response and switches on parasympathetic. Mm. So you can combine that with things like affirmation, with meditation techniques, 
to go to sleep, to improve your digestion, to modulate the immune system and many different things. You need to know how to do it. It's it's not that complicated, but it it can work. And then there's also alternate nostril breathing you may have heard of. And each nostril corresponds to a different hemisphere of the brain. So your right is linked to your left, left nostril is linked to your right. And um, you can actually switch on or off the creativity or the concentration right. in your mind just with the way you breathe, like which nostril you breathe from. You can even generate yeah. fire, internal fire and energy by breathing through just like the right nostril and not your left. Or breathing through your left nostril turns on the dream state, the creativity. It can help you go to sleep by just sleeping on one side, which switches on the right side of the brain and sleep on another side. That Oh, yeah. my gosh. You just gave me a huge aha. Yes. So I sleep on the left side. So is that dreaming state? But I always feel like it's kind of like this lucid dreaming. Yes. So I wonder if I slept on the right side, then with my left brain, just be oh, like making plans all night. So like, just <laughs> sleep on the back. Like, do I no, just no, wanna... no, don't sleep on the back. Because, okay. <laughs> because actually that's the, the, the no-no in, in, in this. Because... Okay. When you sleep on your back, sleep is a very, very fascinating thing. Um, and mm-hmm. the yogis have a different kind of perception over sleep, which we can go into. But basically, it's to do with over-breathing. During sleep, you are unconscious mm-hmm. and you're fully under the mm-hmm. reptilian brain's control. Your reptilian brain tends to over-breathe between the hours of 4 and 7 in the morning. It has this morning hyperventilation. That's one of the reasons why heart attacks tend to happen in the morning that time yeah wow. and up to 12 12 p.m so basically the reason is is because your body is gearing up for doing things and a lot of energy is being used for maybe something like restoration so um some reason like 80 to 90 percent of people hyperventilate at that time so yoga the traditional yoga the yogis were trying to hack this by only sleeping like say two or three hours a night so that they would wake up at 4 a.m and they would then do meditation which would prevent morning hyperventilation they would override morning hyperventilation and when you're very oxygenated when you've got very efficient use of oxygen you actually need less sleep your sleep levels you know the amount of hours you need go drop significantly and if you wake up like after eight hours sleep feeling sluggish and groggy, right, it means you're not breathing properly in your sleep. So right. you might that's be, what was happening. Yes. Yeah. And you may even be oversleeping. When you do our reduced breathing exercises that come from pranayama, inspired by Buteko, things like that, you actually become more and more efficient during the day at using oxygen, at getting oxygen to where it needs to go. Because what you're doing is you when you reduce your breathing and slow it down, you actually increase your ability to handle carbon dioxide, your carbon dioxide tolerance. Mm-hmm. You can handle more and more carbon dioxide. This has an overall effect of improving oxygenation of your body right. tissue cells, and you increase your nitric oxide. I've heard that so much. Now it's associated with breathing. So nitric oxide is antiviral, antibacterial, powerful antioxidant, and it's essential for getting oxygen into your cells properly. So things like mouth breathing, 
So we actually want nitric oxide. Yes, that is a good thing. Yes. Yeah. Carbon dioxide and nitric oxide are good. I would love to see a correlation to see if they could do a study to see mouth breathing versus no nasal breathing and rates of viral infection mm. like COVID and things. Interesting. Because I bet you. Right. Because one, one of the things is in the Western cultures, people tend to breathe through their mouth a lot more. Right. And when we're really busy, we're talking all day long through our mouth, we are breathing through our mouth, okay, not through our nose. And we're a lot of us spend all day long talking, right? Right. It's another <laughs> reason why meditation is good because um, you're quiet and you stop talking for a moment mm-hmm. and you start breathing through your nose. You become mindful of your breath through your nose in and out. That helps to rebalance the oxygen carbon mm-hmm. dioxide. And get the oxygen where you need. That's why people feel so much better sometimes, just having 10 minutes, 15 minutes, just to be silent. Yeah. And the verbal part of the mind, that mind that's always thinking, 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 worrying about the future, getting hung up on the past. Um, oh, you know, I, sh- I wish I didn't say that. Or, you know, or, oh my God, like I got bills to pay. That voice in the head, or the monkey mind, you could call it, actually produces a sympathetic response every time it's going around, which causes you to produce a little bit of adrenaline and energy production and contraction, especially if it's a negative response. If it's like an emotion that is fear-based, it will actually make you more contracted. And that also prevents blood flow, adequate blood flow to the muscles, tissues, organs, and that Reduced blood flow can lead to chronic pain, tension, and then disease. So just becoming mindful of your breath, calming yourself down by focusing on your breath, taking just a few minutes a day, like 10, 15 minutes even, just to check in with that can do wonders for actually getting blood flow to and, and oxygen to where it needs to go. It's fascinating because yeah. I've always thought, I'm like, okay, oxygen, we need oxygen. And when I think of my natural breathing patterns, it would usually be bigger inhales, shorter exhales, but it should be the opposite. So the, it's not that we need more oxygen. It's being more efficient with our oxygen. And then it's what the oxygen triggers when it enters our body. Yeah. And it triggers these automatic responses that then can allow our cells and our bodies to do what they need to do to go into that natural healing state. Yeah. And actually, yeah. we have an abundance of oxygen. Prana, you could say, is actually carbon dioxide. Because mm. without that carbon dioxide, the oxygen can't go to where it needs to go to produce energy. So retaining yeah. the carbon dioxide, the prana, is actually the most important factor. Because we actually have so much oxygen already. Oxygen is not the problem. Okay? It's the fact that right. we overbreathe and we're not getting, mm-hmm. we're breathing through our mouth and we're not getting enough carbon dioxide building up in the system and we're not getting enough nitric oxide. That, right. I believe firmly now from all of the research I've done, is the crux of a lot of people's problems. Yeah. And so I know you said elephants, two to four breaths per minute, whales, less than one breath a minute, they can hold their breath to two hours. For humans, is it five? Is that what we want to shoot for? Five breaths per minute? So, so five breaths per minute is really, really difficult for most people. So yeah. there's, a, there's Swami Sivananda, who's a famous yogi, and he says that mm-hmm. 
you don't measure a human by lifespan by the number of years, but by the number of breaths they take. And mm. it says that when you breathe 15 breaths per minute and more, you're going to live around 70 years. When you breathe wow. uh, 10 breaths per minute, um, you're going to live 80 years. And when you breathe less than 10 breaths per minute, you can live your optimum lifespan, 100 years plus. So the system of yoga and pranayama, traditional system, is all about reducing your breathing right down, your need to breathe, so your breath rate comes mm-hmm. right down. So if you can get it below 10 breaths per minute, you're doing great. So for people listening, if they're interested in dipping their toe in and starting to learn some of the... I guess some of the basics, but then probably just like the fundamentals and playing around with their breath more. Where do you recommend they begin? Because I know you have free stuff, you have challenges, you have virtual classes, you have retreats. What are some of the different options that people can go deeper and learn with you and Soma Breath? Yeah, sure. So obviously there's so many different schools out there. There's different techniques. Mm -hmm. You know, I highly recommend like people looking into Buteco doing things like Wim Hof to, to use his techniques, which is also yep. profound. But what we've created is like a library of different breathing techniques. So there's stuff for getting normal breathing habits. Then there's, uh, court, that's our breath fit course. Uh, that also teaches this traditional yoga that helps you to do yoga correctly. So a lot of people love that, that training. It's amazing. Just 11 days. Then we have the 21-day awakening protocol, which is actually like a, uh, a training on how to meditate effectively. And it revolves around this also one technique called kumbhaka, breath retention, and different breathing patterns that allows you to go really deep into your breath retentions, holding your breath, which allows you to really raise this carbon dioxide and get oxygen going very, very efficiently to cells. And this actually creates adaptive response by producing a state called intermittent hypoxia, lower than normal oxygen mm. levels. This simulates high altitude training. So mm. there's been a lot of mm. evidence now about the benefits of high altitude training. And there's loads of clinics out there for intermittent hypoxic training therapy, IHT, where they use machines yeah. to give you high oxygen followed by low oxygen. All right. And you can mimic that through fast breathing and then holding your breath, right? Or Rhythmic breathing, which is what we prefer, like breathing in a rhythm, because that causes less stress on the body. Breathe in a rhythm that then allows you, because when you breathe out calm dioxide, calm dioxide is what tells you to breathe again. When you have less calm dioxide in the system, it allows you then to hold your breath significantly longer than you, you think you can. And when you start to hold your breath for over a minute, you bring your oxygen levels right down. And you stimulate this state called intermittent hypoxia, where this tricks your body into thinking you're going to run out of oxygen. And you that's when your adaptive changes happen inside. And you become more efficient in oxygen. It, it also exercises your mitochondria. And then we've made a protocol around that each week, which takes you... Ours is more like a meditation course, actually, because although you get all these physical benefits, we're really helping you to use guided meditation with these journeys, we call them Soma Breath Journeys, to really figure out who you truly are and to go into deep meditation. Because when you hold your breath for that long period of time, it's like pressing defrag on your brain. It's like 
life is a series of inhales and exhales. When you press pause in your breath, press pause in your life, and it's like defrag, and the thought files reassemble in your mind, and it helps clear the clutter, give you a sense of clarity. And loads of people who do this course have incredible transformations because it's the first time they've said stop. You know, mm-hmm. They usually go, 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 go. But with this, you can go into such profound meditative states. It's like pressing stop and boom, sudden aha moments happen, inspiration. Yeah. People figure out who they truly are, what they want to do with their life. And, or they get wow. the energy to drive towards their goals. Wow. So I know I'll share a personal experience of mine <laughs> that I had with one of the, one of your meditations. And I'm curious to know, like at a biological level, why was this happening and what was going on? But as I said to be at the beginning of the show, you're a DJ and you have the like incredible music. And then it was one of the, it was a breath retention meditation that I was listening to. I honestly felt like I was high. Like it felt like I was on drugs. And I know I've heard people say you are the drug is in like breathing and that we can, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways to, to interpret that, but it felt like I was just like, woo, almost out of my body. And it was this really pleasurable experience. I'm just so curious. What is this about? How does holding our breath and breathing with these rhythmic patterns, because there's definitely something about that rhythmic breathing that just gets the body going. Can you talk about that? Because it was honestly phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. So, so what we were, um, you, you're probably also talking about is the using the pelvic floor with your inhales, yes. right? So yes. when you breathe in a rhythm, this is like a tantric yoga technique. When you breathe in mm-hmm. and you pull up the pelvic floor, and create like a circular breath in a rhythm, mm-hmm. you actually create this life force energy. You stimulate mm-hmm. it from the endocrine system of the set. And mm-hmm. you are basically bringing this up like waves around the body. So this is that feel-good hormones, right? Got it. And yeah. the orgasmic energy is comes from this area of creativity, right? So I'm doing it right now. So yes. So when you do that in a perfect rhythm, because your body loves harmony and rhythm, that mm. whole rhythmic movement leads you into orgasmic states. And that's why what we do wow. as well is such a powerful antidepressant. Because it just makes you wow. feel orgasmically alive, you know, at the end of it. It does. Yeah. It really does. Like that's why I think more people need to know about this because it doesn't require any special equipment or going to a fancy gym or having the right outfit or doing this or doing that. It's just setting aside time to connect with ourselves and to go within and learn how to, I guess you, I'll say like manipulate the things that we're already doing, like breathing. How can we breathe in a rhythmic pattern? How can we start to contract certain areas of our body to get these um, responses going? So I just thought it was absolutely fascinating. I was like, wow, this stuff is good. Yes. You did it properly. <laughs> me up. I'll become an instructor. Yes. <laughs> and, and so what does Soma mean? Because I know for you, you've put so much thought into Soma Breath. When we first met, you were telling me about your vision and it was just so palpable. And I just, I, I so I'm holding that for you. And I've been holding that vision for you since we met. But what does Soma mean? Because I know there's meaning to this. So the legend of Soma comes from the Rig Veda. Okay, there's 50,000 mm-hmm. references to this concoction that the gods of the time 
this golden age would drink to achieve immortality, connection to the divine, and generally, basically, you know, live the the best life they could live. And this is really the first story of humans breaking free of addiction and dependence on stuff mm. because they were so dependent on the soma, right, for everything. Mm-hmm. When the soma starts running out, all the gods freak out. The rishis, they freak out. And they um, are so addicted that they have to find a way to manufacture the soma from within rather ah. than externally. That's the origin story of tantric yoga, Buddhism, meditation, okay. yoga, tantra, whatever you want to call it. All of these esoteric traditions came from the quest mm-hmm. of humans to have to go within, produce the soma within. So our mm-hmm. course, you could say, is really the soma within. It's all about yeah. creating that soma within, you know, the bliss yeah. from within. Right. I, I feel like I see it a lot, like you are the drug. And it's referenced with breath work. And so when you just said that, I'm like, oh, it kind of makes sense, actually, yeah. the Soma. Um, That's it. Interesting. Awesome. Okay, one more question. Left brain, right brain, breathing. I had a really interesting conversation. It was actually another interview. And we were talking about being a whole brainer. And I had never heard that word before because it's always like your left brain or your right brain. And for me, I want to be an advocate for the right brain people in the world because I feel like we get a bad rap and, you know, and we live in just such, we live in a society that rewards the left brain, but we actually need to learn how to tap into both. So when you said the, the nose breathing, I'm like, oh yeah. And how cool is it that the left side of our body taps into the right Mm. so we can simulate, but then left is the receptive Mm. and the feminine. And then the right side of our body is the more masculine, like taking action oriented step forward. And that's linked to the left side. So what I took away from what you shared is we can actually learn to be whole brainers and there's benefits to being or knowing when we need to switch in. And let's say I need to focus, I need to get things done. What would be an exercise that people could do to switch on that left brain and that focus? Because like, let's be honest, most days I really need this. <laughs> so this is a really selfish question. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, um, so you're right. The left side of the brain is linked to the right nostril. Throughout the day, one nostril is going to be more predominant than the other. All right. So if you in- inhale through the right, put a finger underneath, no, a finger underneath nostril. Oh. You can see which nostril is more stronger, easier to breathe from. So it's put like a... It's my right one right now. Right, people are going to have throughout the day their left side more active than the right. But you may be just naturally already activated from your right. So you've got like a bit of a balance Mm -hmm. of the two. But right now in this waking state, you're generally going to have the left side more active. You can... Mm -hmm. Make it even more active by basically just shutting off the left nostril and just breathing for 10 minutes or even less sometimes. It can be pretty quick. Just from the right nostril, right? In and out. And that will activate that side more. And you may even start feeling heat in the body a little bit. That's Mm -hmm. a sign that it's working Mm -hmm. when you start to feel a bit warmer, okay? okay? Because you're getting that energy being produced. So... So that's it. And if you, uh, like, say you have a heavy meal, 
Because this side is also to do with uh, digestion, right? It creates more fire within when you breathe through your right nostril. So let's say you have a big meal and it's actually a night, it's it's, it's an evening, you're supposed to go to sleep and you've still got Mm -hmm. a lot of food undigested. Yeah. You can just keep breathing through your right nostril, shut off your left, Mm -hmm. do that. And what would happen is you'll activate the digestive fire and it will ease digestion so that you can sleep better. And actually what you can do as well is sleep on your left side. That activates the left hemisphere. Also, if it's a really cold, cold night, sleeping on your left side for a bit can help you warm up the body a bit so you can sleep. Interesting. Yeah, 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 it's interesting. And then you can rotate. After you've done that for like 10 minutes, you can then rotate to the right side and then you can go more into the dream state and have a deep sleep. It's amazing. Thank you for sharing. And so is it the reverse? Then if we, you know, yes. plug our right nostril, breathe. I'm like, my left is hard to breathe through right now. It's more stuffy. Yeah. And then breathe through the left. That's going to get the right brain creative side yes. going. And the creative yeah. side also deals with memory as well. Long-term memory. Ah. Yeah. So actually I had a Ooh. friend in India who's a memory master. And he could memorize like 4,000 numbers forwards and backwards and crazy words and all sorts of crazy stuff. But he would breathe just through the left nostril and activate the right before he's doing his like retaining of, because the way you memorize things for long term is to visualize it. And Mm -hmm. he would use a, a technique of symbols, memorizing symbols and stories to be able to memorize 4,000 sequences, right? So yeah, that's why it's it's crazy. So if you want to get more creative, be more artistic, more into that dreamlike flow, you know, you don't even have to smoke a joint or anything like that. You don't want to you just <laughs> breathe through the left nostril. You are the drug. You are the drug. Yeah. <laughs> At all. Oh, that's so fun. Thank you so much for joining me today. Do you want to, I know you have a couple of Instagram accounts, you've got a website. Do you want to share where people can follow you and learn more? We have an instructor training course. We have an amazing community of instructors. People just love being part of our community because it's, yeah. we're all about the community, community and bringing people together. And then we have these two courses, a 21 day awakening uh, protocol yeah. and breath fit. They're our main courses. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So I'll make sure to link to all of that in in the show notes. So thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure to connect with you again and and talk. And I learned a lot. Wow. I'm really excited to re-listen to this. It's just so beneficial. And thank you for doing what you do. I think that this is really important work that the world needs now more than ever. Nice. So check us out on Instagram (laughs) if you want to get some free stuff. Soma Breath. Yeah. And a YouTube channel, which is also Soma Breath. Uh, Loads of free stuff there. So if you want to recap on everything I've just said and go a bit deeper, it's all there. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. And it's a great Instagram account. So, so many cool things on there. Well, thanks so much. I look forward to the next time our paths cross in person too. Thank you, Leanne. It's amazing. It's been an absolute pleasure.